The platform provides a global online center for the commemoration, celebration, and sharing of vital histories and stories that boost the awareness and impact of pride, power, and practice of people of African descent. The festival builds awareness around how each of us can take the necessary steps for restitution and reparation. Your conversation lead tonight is cultural theorist and lecturer at the University of the West Indies, St. Augustine, Dr. Marshall Pierce. Welcome and enjoy tonight's conversation. Thank you so much, Sean, and a warm welcome to all of you tuning into this conversation. Joining me in dialogue are Visual Artists Awodia Tuluwani Samson and Kenwin Kuchlu. Awodia Tuluwani Samson is a portrait artist and expressionist painter who hails from the Oshun State, Nigeria. His works are privately collected in Nigeria and abroad and have been featured in a number of projects and exhibitions, most notably the 2019 Life in My City Art Foundation competition in which he was one of the finalists. He currently works with one of the biggest art galleries in Africa, Nike Art Gallery in Deki, Nigeria and the Mitochondria Gallery in Texas, USA. Kenwin Critchlow is a practicing studio artist from the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. His paintings have been included in every major group exhibition of Trinidad and Tobago and Caribbean fine art since 1985. Some of his work is part of the National Art Collection. Critchlow has taught at every level of the education system in Trinidad and Tobago. He's also a key researcher on the history of visual arts in the Caribbean. Our conversation is entitled, A Space Where Blackness in Art Can Breathe. Now such a title immediately evokes, invokes the ongoing discourse on the perils of existing as a black person in a world with widespread systemic racism. In a world where it can feel like a crime to simply be breathing while black. Reports of the recent murder of George Floyd in the US reveal he cried, I can't breathe, as a white police officer pressed his knee into Floyd's neck. In 2014, Eric Garner uttered the same words before succumbing to a fatal asthma attack triggered by a police officer's chokehold. In the midst of this pandemic, with a virus that ironically attacks our respiratory system, amplified voices have called for the right to exist or breathe on Therefore, before we get into our conversation, I thought it would be meaningful for us to make a space for some breath work as an opening ritual, some intentional breathing as a way of affirming our existence and attending to our mind and body during this time of global uncertainty and anxiety. I'm so grateful that Erica Ashton, the festival director, has agreed to lead us in this opening segment. Erica, over to you. Thank you, Dr. Pierce. Good evening, all. Welcome. And I invite us all, as we get into this conversation, to just settle into our space. Just use this time to bring our awareness to our space, to what is around us. We can use this time to just connect with our body. So what is happening with your forehead? Is it relaxed? What's happening with your jaw, your shoulders? Are they up by your ears or are they relaxed? What's happening with your hands and your feet, your hips? And I invite us now to just clasp our hands, look at our hands 
and gently and lovingly just beginning to do some movement with our hands. You know, in, this, in these times, we're spending so much online. We're using our hands and our wrists and our thumbs so much more. We're not paying enough attention. So just lovingly, we're just giving some attention to our hands today. And we release them and we can just stretch the fingers so we begin to feel them. Yeah, sending love and giving thanks to our hands. Lovely. So I invite us now to feel our whole body in our space. And as we settle into our space, bring awareness to your breath. How is your breath? Is it soft? Is it raspy? Is it deep? And wherever it's at, no judgment, just being aware of your breath as you breathe in and out through your nose. And feel your breath as it moves into your nostrils. Just feel what is happening there as it moves into your throat. As it moves into your belly, just feel that gentle movement of the breath in your nostrils, in your chest and in your belly. Breathing in and breathing out. And on the next breath, we're going to inhale for a count of four, which I'll be doing, and we exhale for a count of four. We'll take three breaths like that. A reminder to never force your breath, just go to where you can. So we inhale for four, one, two, three, four, and exhale, one, two, three, four. Inhaling again, one, two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, four. One more, inhale, one, two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, four. And just allowing those three breaths to just settle into our being. Breathing gently, breathing slowly. Now the next breath, we inhale again for four. One, two, three, four. And we're exhaling for six. One, two, three, four, five, and six. We're gonna do two more breaths like that. Remember not to force the breath, going to where you can. One, two, three, four. Exhaling, one, two, three, four, five, six. One more breath. Inhaling, one, 
two, three, four, exhale, one, two, three, four, five, and six. And just allowing the breath to settle, to settle into our body, into our being. And I invite you now to bring your hands together in front of your chest in that universal gesture of gratitude. And if it feels right for you, just gently bow your head as we give thanks for this opportunity to be present in this moment to share this collective conscious breath, to connect with all that is. As we connect with our ancestors, those who went before us, who cleared a path for us, we connect with the elders in our space, we connect with ourselves, we connect with all those who are on this journey with us, we connect with those to come. And we give thanks for this gift of breath, that we can take this moment to pause, to just appreciate our breath, to appreciate our being. And we give thanks for the reminders that will come when we are required to stop, to breathe. We give thanks always. Thank you. Dr. Pierce, back over to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you to all of you for indulging us and allowing us to begin in this way. Uh, a reminder to our viewers to submit your questions, which we will answer in our Q&A segment a little later. Ken and our dear, welcome. I'd like to start by focusing on the issue of representation in the art world. Um, and my first question is for Awodia. What, in your view, is the significance of portraiture as a representation for Blackness? Uh, please, can you come again? I didn't get that. No problem. Uh, you, in your work, you feature portraiture. And I'm interested yeah, yeah. in what, in your view, is the significance of portraiture as a space of representation for Blackness? Okay, um, thank you. Um, and I'd like to say a very big thank you to the, organize, to, to the organizers of this uh, location right now, of this webinar. I really want to say thank you that it's a good thing that we've got going here because a lot, of, a lot of Africans or Black Americans and Africans in diaspora, we've actually forgotten where, we've, um, where we emanated from. So this is like, um, a consciousness and a, a revitalization of the old idea of being black. So I, you know, I just wanted to use that to say thank you. And uh, now back to the question, without making unnecessary talks. Okay, now um, the essence of my of, of portraiture in being African and being black is uh, it actually entails a lot. For me, um, every artist has his own interpretation of his or our own art. And for me, um, the the eyes, uh, there's there's this saying in Yoruba, which is a culture in Africa, Nigeria to be precise, 
The meaning of that is uh, uh, communication is in the face, or how can I put it? Like um, you, you get to communicate more when you see. And there's all this other saying that says, Sorry, I'm being, I'm going way back to the roots, but I'll, I'll, I will interpret as I, as I say this dialogue. Oh, so Yoruba The meaning of that is, even if we cannot see each other, whatever agreement we've had in the past should never be dismissed. Just basically because you could not see me but because you've had an agreement. So uh, this is a very strong um, motivation for me to actually pick portraits uh, as an essence of, um, of revitalization and communication to the actual as an African. Uh, and I picked Afro to be specific because uh, Africa is, is as, as an history uh, with the Afro. Because I don't know if it's if it's ST generalization, but so far to my knowledge, Afro is particularly um, attributed to Africans because of our coily air and all, which carries a lot of significance and a lot of power. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and there's this expression on each African um, on if each African's model that I've used that carries a lot of power, that carries a lot of communication. Like I said, um, that's my, in my culture, they used to say that says communication lies on the face or in the eyes. So, um, and um, there's this English thing that says, the, the, the eyes are the windows to the soul. So I, I, use, I use this, um, this, this attributes to actually get my message home. To to and and it's it's it says a lot when you see somebody even even I could I could tell a person's I could have an idea don't let me say I could tell I could have an idea of a person's mood by basically looking at their expression so it's it says a lot capturing the the face of an African you you, you get to see the you get to see the essence. You get to see the, the 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 pain. You get to see the struggle. You get to see the agitation. You get to see the fear. You get to see the the anticipation. You get to see the hopes. You get to see the love. You get to see the anguish. So it's it carries a lot of power. So I I decided to settle with that and to and to and to go on in hand with the use of Afro to drive in my point that about love, about um, aesthetic, about um, communication, about um, vision, about faith, and about a lot of significances and a lot of attributes that we have in the African culture, the richness in African culture. So that is why I've decided to use African faces and the beauty and the gold in our skin color to actually pass my message across as an African. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Omudia. That's a lovely way for us to start um, our conversation. And I'm really interested in this idea of, you know, you thinking about the face as this means, or this vehicle for communicating ideas and emotions um, and yes. expressions. And of course, that is very important um, when we think about representation really has to do with 
you know, how we make certain things visible and how certain aspects are left invisible. And when we think about black people and the black body and the way in which historically, um, you know, black faces and the black body have been left out of certain visible discourses, it becomes really key to include the body. And as you say, to make sure that we show the face. And of right. course, to think about here, um, which is a strong signifier of identity. Yeah. You know, um, and to think about, yeah, you know, the inclusion of hair, it's, it's usually one of those first indicators, as I said, you know, in identifying someone. Um, and it's yeah. highly contested, of course, when we think about, uh, you know, over the years and uh, the way that hair has been manipulated in order to, to look like, uh, you know, the white man or the white woman and so on. Um, so I really thank you for introducing that for us. Um, and it's a lovely segue into my question uh, for Ken, uh, because you're talking about using the face as an essence, uh, but can you work in a different way? I mean, your work is more abstract. It's not, it's not as representational or figurative as Awudia's work. And so for you, I have a two-part question. And I know with your work, uh, you address concerns with color uh, and space and you describe your paintings as spaces of possibility. What can you tell us about your technical considerations in building space with your artwork? And what is art's role in creating spaces of potential, especially in a world where there are systems designed to limit Black people? So those are my questions for you. It's a very interesting question, right? Because it it really penetrates to the heart of this question of making art and the possibilities that we are all trying to engage and to um, rest, that we all wrestle with. But first I want to thank the organizers of this uh, event for inviting me to participate. Um, this is a very important time in which we are to discuss concerns about art and blackness, the ways in which we could move out of that invisibility that shrouds our activity. So we move into a space of light. Yes. And um, this month, as it brings to focus the arts and the activities the aspirations of our people, whether they are artists or members of the audience, scholars, whichever, that we bring them to the fore. We are living through um, very challenging times in which opportunities have been created for us to take forward. And I think it's really very important that this event um, brings together um, my brother in Oshun State in Nigeria, across the Atlantic, and for us to talk about the commonalities, the differences, the, the things that distinguish your own practice from mine. So with that as an introduction, I would really like to talk a little bit, yes, to respond to the question, which is really very interesting uh, question. And I hope that I don't take up too much time talking about it. I hope that my words 
will be clearer in, in, in communicating this. But yes, I too, like Awodia, think, think about the, the picture plane as a face. You, in the same way as you see the face and the eyes and the, those elements that make up the face as a way of journeying into the soul of the sitter, I see my canvases in remarkably the same way. But instead of using the eyes or features that we have become accustomed to on the face, I try to make that journey through the use of color, gesture, the ways in which they are manipulated as shapes and the sort of progressions that we can make in the manipulation of that surface. Now, um, in, in this regard, I suppose my approach to painting borrows something from the classic jazz artists, jazz musician artists, who for me provided a, a methodology of going forward in the same way as a jazz artist would take a chord, I want to take a, a, a color progression, play with it, analyze it, you know, reduce it, open it up, do all of these things with it and um, hope that at the end of it, it is a receptacle in which uh, my journey, reaches out into the public domain so that I could, I could establish a communication between myself and a viewer. Now, the history of my own um, thinking in this way goes uh, way back. Um, and I fully beca I became conscious of it for the first time, when I, I went to, um, I, I was in London at the time, sorry to make it too personal, but still I went to London at the time and I went into what they call the Museum of Mankind because that's it, that's the, that's the museum that displayed uh, works made by African artists. And I looked at the anonymous artists and I felt a very strong communication between the, the, the things that were being made there and myself. Now these people had, who, though the artists who made those things had no imagination of who I could be. I had no imagination of who they were and of how they made those objects or why. But there was something essential that radiated out to me and convicted me, you know, um, sort of burning bush sort of experience that says, this is really what art is about. It's not about, about, about you, but it is something that inhabits the space between us that transcends space and time and situation and so on. And when you, stand in front of the object, that, that, that experience, uh, you, you, you enter into that space 
you share the experience and you move out of it invigorated or you move out of it um, as a changed person. And for me, that became uh, a point of inflection. It's the way I wanted uh, my paintings to be. It should be, it should communicate in the same way and must do the things that I experienced at that moment in time. Um, uh, but you know, but to, to go to, to to go to the question again, and I'm going about it in a in a very roundabout way as well. This question about um, this, you know, that space as a uh, as possibility. Which is really the theme that um, uh, that the, you know that you've used to frame help me to frame this discussion. When we begin making a painting, there are possibilities that are ahead of us. The possibility that it can fail, but we are all optimists and we start that journey. We feel that this is going to be the greatest things since sliced bread. Yeah. We bring to the experience an overwhelming possibility that this thing can be done. And we begin that journey towards uh, this idea. Now, in the history of uh, um, Black people, especially on this side of the Atlantic, making art, that space for a long time was very secret. It was underground, if you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Some people like to think about it as, as being part of a secret space in which, in which practices went on as uh, you would call it, like a secret society. Not a traditional African type secret society, but secret as being hidden away society yes. mm -hmm. so that the space was compressed it was internal it was hidden mm -hmm. and the movement from the post-emancipation period has been to really unfold to open up that space mm -hmm. to take it into the real world so that we can move out of that hidden domain and to be human, right? So that uh, it is moving from that impossible, tight, secret to something that is open and free and uh, public. And the only way I could really try and describe it as being human. Now, I'm compressing a whole lot of things here together. There's one about the whole process of making, um, which um, the whole idea of the space that exists between the artist and the object. And because the artist retreats from the, from the making of the thing and leaves it so that uh, a viewer coming into the space experiences it in a particular way. So that's one. There's also the space in which I inhabit, in which I make the work. Um, in which I am talking about making the work like a, in the same way as a, a jazz artist 
would be making music or a writer, just putting words together and then coming up to find out what are some of these ideas that have been emerging through the words that have been expressed. And of course, this whole concept of, of, of uh, space and the way in which we move from that impossibility to the rule of possibility. And we are aspiring to move into this, this domain of, mm -hmm. of possibility that outside there. Um, for, for what it is, that, that's some of what I wanted to begin the discussion with. Yes. Thank you. You know, and I really, um, I really like the recognition of the movement of this space in the making from the secret to the visible, you know, a space of impossibility or, or limitations to a space of humanity. Yes. And of course, that really resonates, you know, with this, this present moment, um, you know, as, as protests rage around the world, as people fight for their humanity. That's right, absolutely. Right to be. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I loved the connection uh, between your work, the way you see your work um, and Awodia's practice. Um, and the idea of maintaining um, that recognition of a face, whether the work is figurative or you know, can be easily recognized for those um, who perhaps are not familiar with the use of the word figurative in the art world, versus a more abstract work that the essence is still there, this idea of the face yeah, um, and your, your different approaches in working with that. Yeah. Of course, you know, having this sort of uh, general conversation about your practice, I want to be able to move a little deeper to some specifics. And so we could see some of the work and talk about the work. So I'd like to invite our dear uh, to perhaps speak about a particular piece. I know that you incorporate rich symbolism in your work, um, which carry cultural meanings. And even the names of your pieces have black cultural significance. So our dear, I would love for you to tell us about one of your recent your, one of your recent pieces. Share with our viewers. Um, tell us about this. All right. Um, thank you once again um, for giving me this opportunity to be able to share my view of being black in the world. I really want to say thank you to you. I really appreciate it, and I do not take this for granted. Thank you. So um, I've been I've been working on a series of um, Afro on the series, <clears throat> the Afro series for a while, and for as far back as 2015, 2017 to date. But it's, and within that space of time, uh, the Afro series that I've done, yeah, actually countable, not because I couldn't have done as much as possible, but because there is a, there's beauty in, in, how can I put it, in originality and in having a reason to create anyone. Okay, um, having said that, um, I, I, work, I work with the use of rich African textures um, in, in the context of symbols, signs, and motifs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there's something we call unnoising, O-N, AIS unnoising in Nigeria. And that is, um, that is an, an African art movement that originated from Ilefe. Ilefe is a state, um, is a state and the town 
a town in is a town in in uh, Oshun State, and is is Ilefe is referred to as the origin of the Yorubas. That's like one of the three major ethnic groups in Nigeria: Yorubas, the Awusas, and the Igbos. But Yoruba is believed to have originated from Ilefe. So Ilefe is very rich in culture. It's very rich in all this. So I studied in Ilefe. So I have the first hand knowledge of this. So um, and Ilefe is known for um, passing messages with culture, um, with symbols, with signs, with motifs. And um, also we have quite a number of it in, in, in adage, in proverbs. So I try to compress all this into symbols. This is not the first time we will be using symbols in Africa or in the world. But um, I compress my symbols into one specific language that can help me convey my message in, in, in the best black way, so to speak. Okay, um, let, me, let me come back a little bit to, to the names and the, the beauty in the names of um, my African works. Okay, um, I work with Afro, Afro series basically to create awareness of being black. I could have decided to, to do some random um, black at a black model or, or just some random anything that comes my way, but there's a language, there's a, there's a, there's a communication, there's a, there's a message I'm trying to pass across in my Afro series incorporated in with symbols, signs, and, and a lot of proverbs. Okay, I will try and break it down. Now, this particular work behind me, I, tie, I titled it uh, Wura, but the model's name is Precious, which both have their own specific meaning. Wura in Yoruba means, I'm a Yoruba, I'm a Yoruba born and bred in, in Yoruba land. So permit me, but I'll be making interpretation for, for this basic stuff. So Wura in Yoruba means gold. And uh, we have quite, um, and why I, I, I intentionally title my works after uh, indigenous name is basically because most of us, um, apologetically, in, most of us in and abroad, we've actually forgotten our roots. Um, I'm, I'm being apologetic about that. Not everybody has, but most of us, even some people that are even in this country, I even have something that is eating me up in this particular country. Because we are, because we are colonized, it does not mean we should let down our guard and then let other people's culture, and we put out our culture, put out our, our, our tradition, and put out everything just because we want to be like somebody that, that is not even who you are to, to begin with. So that alone is pissing me off. In, in an average African home, or let me say Nigerian Yoruba home, you would never hear the parents want their children to actually speak their dialect. It is presently happening in Nigeria. They actually flog their children for speaking in their dialect, in their native home. And that really gets on my nerve because I, I be like, okay, if you are actually flogging a child for speaking his own dialect and you're telling him he must speak English, he must speak English. That I'm like, okay, in the next future generation, let's say four to five generations to come, how then do we pass our culture to the next generation? Mm -hmm. um, 
Yoruba has a saying of, of that goes like this that um, the 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 ceremony or the the ceremony of, of an idol or of a god that is hidden from the children, definitely that tradition is gonna die because children are actually the future of whatever it is you are doing us at that point. But if you if you are saying the children should go inside when you are having the your idol worship, when you are worshiping your gods, when you are doing your ritual rites and all this, definitely that culture will die. And uh, and there's this bad thing in Nigeria and in Yoruba to be specific that they, they they literally want their children to 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 to, to answer to foreign names. You, you, you have names like um like uh, how can I put it and like uh, foreign names. Just think about all those foreign names because they 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 feel much they feel much respected. They feel like they feel like they they. They, they have this recognition, they feel like they have this prestige, they feel like they have this beautiful thing because it is foreign. They don't really believe in something coming from African and it's original and it's beautiful. So that is why I, I give my full name. On a normal day, people are shutting their name and then you could call me Tolu, but I there's this beauty in my name that I give, Tolu Wani. If you don't know how to pronounce it, I will teach you. But that's because I'm African does not mean I should hide my, my do you understand what I'm trying to say? There's this beauty in being African. So I I channel this through the naming of my works. Okay, now this title is Bura. I, it ranges from the title of my work ranges from I've done works, and then like I said, I've done quite a few. And then the, the names I give them are more like Akoke. Like Ashake, all these names are actually beautiful and they are rich in cultural meanings. Like, how do you, how do I start to explain this? Okay, um, let's, let me start with um, Ashake. Oh no, let me start with Akoke. Akoke, Akoke, Akoke simply means, um, uh, how can I put it in, your, in, in English? There's, there's actually literally, there are some words you cannot actually really really gets yeah. well let me just try and I'll just simplify it a concern means a child that you that you actually how can I how can I put it you, you meet and then you care for like you seriously care for that child like you you you, you get to meet the child and you and you and you and you selected and then you pamper the child you over care for the child and mm. although that is really like a tip of the iceberg of the real meaning for your reference that goes really deep really when deep. they start when they start elogizing with all these names you won't even know where you spend your khaki <laughs> and you start looking for your khaki where you're going on. so there's actually a lot of richness and a lot of beauty in all these names so i try to go deep down into my culture and i i, I bring out essence the essence of the culture. There is no you're problem in from, You're saying from the name, you you already yeah. introduce a, a depth to the work. Yeah. Yes. By, yes. by attending to language and memory. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can you tell us now I, about I try, the textures and the beadwork and so on in in the piece? Okay. Yeah. Um, now I like I said I make use of proverbs and and symbols in my works. Okay. Now. I don't know if I can zoom in, but there's if you can bring this work on the screen, I really appreciate it. Precious. Um, now, 
if you zoom in quite well, you would you'll be able to see quite a number of symbols. Mm -hmm. There is this house. Let me start with this house. Um, this house right beside the cheek, beside you. Yeah, this art. Yeah, that that simply it's that simply is like a prophecy in Yoruba language. That simply is like a, a prayer that uh, which means you you buy houses, you build houses. It's like we are trying to pray for you that you buy houses, you build more houses, you do well in life and all. And then right to the left, the key, the two keys crossing each other. That's also like a, a prayer to you that you do, you, you open, you have keys to open doors. You, you, keep, you, keep, you keep going far. And, and you have nothing that's gonna stop you and the light. Right above it, we have this, this trinity, which means the father, mother, and the child, which means family wood. There's, there's, there's a lot of saying of family wood that you can't stay on your own and, and, and just neglect your family. Your family is actually your root. And then there's this padlock, right? Um, right a little bit to the right, and then up, yeah, up. Uh, this yeah, that's a padlock, which means um, nothing, nothing, nothing locked on you shall shall actually remain locked. Like they, this, this are proverb. These are these are these are these are symbols gotten out of some proverbs. If I start putting out some proverbs now, you might not be able to understand. But it is, it is just what it is. That there's this there's this prayer. There's this there's this blessing. There's this there's this beauty. In African proverb that I try to compress in these words. And then the beats down to the beat. And there are a lot of, if I say I should start mentioning all, oh, we might not live here today. That, and there's this love symbol, which actually symbolizes love, right? Um, across that above the eyelid, above the no, the second one to the top, yeah, up a little. Yeah, the love symbol there. Yeah, that love symbol over there means everybody generally knows that it means love. And then there is this other one. I don't know if you can find it. The, the lizard. The meaning of lizard in Yoruba means, yeah, right here. Right here. This. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right there. The meaning of lizard in Yoruba means uh, um, longevity. And because <laughs> Yoruba actually believes nobody knows the, 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 the lifespan of a lizard. Because they jump on panda, they draw, they believe they have longevity. Both lizard and the tortoise. Tortoise is obviously long life and all. They they live long and all. It is just trying to tell you that you shall live long, you shall prosper, you shall do exploits and the like. So, I do, I wouldn't want to go into a lot of a lot of details like that. So let me just go down to the bead, to the African bead, which is particular to to the Benin, it is actually particular to Yorubas and the, and the, the Easterners, especially the Benin. So at the right, at the tip of the, the bead, there's, there's a theory formed, that, that thing that looks like a fork. It is not a fork, it is what we call Oya. Elarin in English means uh, picom. I don't know, it's not picom, so to speak. It is like a traditional picom. They are just three. You just have three of them like that. So when you go to plate your air, that's what they use in plating your air. And that has a symbolic meaning there too. The meaning of that is, is that it, it comes in two ways. They could actually say, um, which means 
take home, do not separate me and my loved ones. Like, because the, the, the job of a pick home is to separate the air, is to part the air. So this year is trying to, to talk about the, the work of this pick home and, and it could serve as a pathway. Like it could, it, could, it could divide friendship, it could divide families at all. So this is more like telling, telling you or prophesying or talking about, about you not going against your family that these things should not separate you and your family. And it would also be seen in the, in the, in the sense or in the light that it is a pathfinder. Like it, it helps you find your path through life. So, and then the general over, the general view of the, of the, um, of the red bead is just culture, the richness in culture of the Benin people, the Benin people, the Yoruba, the, the, you can't see an average Yoruba back then without a bead. And, and it's, it tells a lot about the richness of being African. It's, it's trying to say, no matter how tough you are, you should not forget your own man, you should, you should try your possible best to always remember and delight. And then the, the pattern, the white pattern, the white designs on the face and on the, on the arm, they are not mistakes. Those are actually uh, believed, yeah, the, the, the face paintings, uh, the white marks and the like, those are not mistakes. There is this belief in Africa, in Nigeria, this, this, this science, there's something we call the orange sign. Um, how can I break that down? Okay, the orange sign is actually the orange the symbol, the orange patterns. It's orange in Yoruba means um, head, your head. Mm -hmm. So, so it is, and Yoruba actually take cognizance to the head because Yoruba will say which means you pick the best meat or you pick the meat with your head and your head in that sentence could mean your creator. So, and then the resign is more like a spiritual significance to Africans. Like we, 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 we have body paintings, we have the lights and the light. It's, it's actually spiritual significance to the blacks and to the Africans that we are actually deeply rooted and we are actually also spiritual beings. We believe in spirit, we believe in the supreme being and the light and the light. So, but it shouldn't be like a pause to our thought, to our, to our senses and the light. So I try to, to, no matter how much I try to compress uh, uh, being black in, into a piece, I still, I still have a lot to say. So, these symbols help me pass across my message of the consciousness of being black. For you to have the consciousness of being black, that you, you can you can be African and be original. You can you can you can. There are good things can come out of Africa. You, you 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 can be anywhere in the world at the same time. Feel proud about you being African. I don't know, but I feel a lot of people don't want to attribute to being African. I don't know why. But I'm a proud African and I try to, to project this light through my work that people should see themselves as, as a proud, the people that are African should, because I don't know why um, Blacks, I, although Blacks have been painted, there's this, there's, this, um, there's this way people, especially the Westerners, they view Black and they be like, we are, we are some, some, some like a, 
I can't really, I don't want to, I don't want to offend any, anybody, but I feel there's a racial discrimination among some of the Westerners that if we as ourselves, we cannot stand together and be proud of what and who we are and be proud of our background, of our culture, we might not be able to stand the test of time because right there, some people don't want their children speaking their own dialect and it is really, really bad because you've been taught something that is not yours. And those guys are really doing well by teaching you their own culture, but right. you do not want to pass it on. So it is really sad. And the, the main is actually just to bring out the beauty and the, the essence of the African. I hope I answered the question. Oh, you certainly have, Awodia. Thank you for taking us on that visual journey. As I said, you know, uh, you begin with, well, with the naming that really begins to sort of open up that space for blackness. And then of course, yeah adding all of these motifs, these symbols, really begin yeah. to add rich layers and depth uh, to that space. Um, and, and of course, uh, for me, listening to you, I can tell that you take uh, these images beyond a representation of the physical to a spiritual dimension as well, to a spiritual plane. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, I like the idea that these, in, by incorporating these motifs, um, it is not just a presentation of the black body, but you are prophesying over that black body. You are praying over that black body um, mm -hmm. and you are wishing that black body well into yeah, the future, yeah. wishing it long life, mm -hmm. wishing it prosperity, wishing that that person that is represented um, mm -hmm. positivity and blessings and so on. Uh, so thank you so much for that. Um, and of course, I would like to, to add Ken to the conversation now. And of course, I know, I know Ken's work also comes with a, a number of layers to it. And so Ken, I know you've been busy working on new paintings during this time. Um, I'd love for you to share a piece with us uh, in the context of this conversation. Yeah, um, and I'd just like to preface it because, you know, um, listening to Woody, you know, he's, he, he, he uses this symbol and the traditional symbols as a point of departure upon which he layers these images, which is um, uh, really very interesting. In his uh, Yoruba culture, a lot of these symbols have retained those meanings mm -hmm. so that uh, a Yoruba looking at it is able to read for yeah, its symbolic language. And that is really very interesting, very exciting as mm -hmm. a, as a way of um, entering into the painting. Um, uh, you offer your own entries, your own ways Absolutely. Of and it is, um, you know, um, I, I want to show a painting that I am uh, working on and probably coming close to the end of it. But uh, I thought for this discussion, I would really like to use this painting as something that is current that I'm working on. Now, um, I don't know if you could bring it up and we, I could uh, speak to it as it's, yeah. it's there. No, it's a pretty uh, uh, large painting. It's um, eight feet by um, uh, uh, 15 or 16 feet. Um, so it's, 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 it's larger than, than, than me, taller than I am and wider than, than I am. Now, um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, and I have not uh, conceptualized a name that would provide 
and a point of departure for the viewer to enter into the work. But the name is sometimes irrelevant. But um, I, what I wanted to do is to talk about my own journey uh, and the ways in which I've, um, I've ex tried to explore this creative space that we call my studio and the way in which this studio relates to the larger um, uh, expectations of, of the society and the world that we live in. The world in which they expect uh, a particular view of, of my own particular view of the world in which they would think about it as, as being black, as being uh, Trinidadian or Caribbean as the case might be. Mm -hmm. um, so this is the outcome of a journey that began some time ago. And it has to do primarily with shape, with color, with surface and the texture. That's a, the fundamental basis of all art making across the world, wherever it is that we, 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 we are. Um, it also has to do with feelings. The ways in which we see it, not only through our eyes, but we feel it with our body. Because I think sometimes we think about paintings only as a, as a visual experience. Mm -hmm. But a painting is far more than that. It is visual. It is also visceral mm -hmm. in the sense that it makes a physical impact on the viewer. Um, and I want to engage all of those attributes, all those expectations in the, in the painting. Um, it, in, in the realm of feelings, a lot of them are very difficult for me to get at because it is um, something that I could only express in a, in, a, in a very primitive and sometimes guttural way. It's like, you know, where I would grunt or say, uh, that um, where it goes back to the, to the, to the primal experience mm -hmm. of, of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that is important because it is from there that we develop language. It's from there that we reach out into the world. So in, um, in, in, in ways of even exploring the whole idea of space and possibility, it starts from this impossible sound and the ways in which these are given meanings. So it starts from the color and the shape and those texture and by manipulating and working them, by taking them and allowing it to take you on a journey, you give it some meaning, all right? Um, of course, these meanings um, would shift, they change from viewer to viewer because they bring your own expectations to everything in the world. Um, um, but in, 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 eventually, I want the work to have that kind of personality that would make the world or make the viewer pay attention. So in the same way as Awodia wants the image to um, 
reflect the personality of the of the the the, the, the sitter. Mm -hmm. You know, we share the same area of possibility where we want the image to really convict, to ask the world to pay attention. And um, I like to think about blackness in the same way as we would think about femininity, masculinity. These are qualities that we bring to the, to the work so that we paint a, a female figure and we want it to feel feminine. In the same way, I would want in the manipulation of the work and to the, the, the painting of it, to be able to communicate the idea of my blackness, that essential quality that, um, that we can't really isolate and say, well, look, this is exactly what it is, but we know it when we see it and we experience it. Um, uh, I think I should go on, but um, we have a little time. Is there more you'd like to say about the piece? I'm really uh, interested in this idea of the essential quality, and I mean, you know, when we think about essence, we sometimes think about boiling something down to, you know, something that could be really sort of narrow, narrowly defined. But you know, this essence sort of explodes into a number of possibilities, a number of, of dimensionalities. So perhaps you can talk about that. Okay, um, a lot of that resonates around the idea of, um, you know, the concerns that you as a viewer bring to it. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I try to imagine what may be the concerns of a viewer. Um, but most of the times, uh, a painting is really about my solitude. Mm -hmm. It's about my imagining of what is possible to present in an aesthetic manner. Mm -hmm. So that there is always this tension between my own solitude, that internal experience, or I'd like to say my solitudes, and the, my own concern about the viewer, how to it's funny that you, you put solitude in the plural because I was about to say, but there's a plurality here. That's right, absolutely, yes. Okay, so yeah, so we are in the, in the same wavelength in that sense. Yeah. And um, you know how to, to, to break out of that um, space and to open it so that it can be shared. Mm -hmm. and so that it can be shared even at that sort of visceral level in which there are no words to communicate what is seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that, that, you know, so that your experience becomes something that is um, more manifold and more universal, more communal, if you will. Yes, so that the, the humanness of, uh, of my uh, experience and experiences uh, able to be shared with uh, a viewer. Yes, yes, and many viewers. And many viewers. 
at different times. Mm -hmm. At different, different times across space and so on. That's right. Yeah, I know. I, I think this is um, this is really an exciting representation, especially in the context of this conversation as we think about blackness. Um, it's easy for for people to you know to think about blackness as this kind of monolith, you know, um, that is sort of homogeneous, homogeneous. But there is heterogeneity in it. There's diversity in it. Um, there's a richness to it, and this this piece really opens us up to see see it in all of its possibility and all of its all of its layers um right. and all of its to go back to that word it's it's plurality um because from, sorry, go sorry, go you go ahead you know for some of the experiences you know that i, I tried because we, we spoke and we began i began talking about is you unconcerned with feelings mm -hmm. there is uh the feeling of fear Mm -hmm. you know, uh, of, of, of anger, yes. you know, of the, um, that, that all, all of these are, are part, become part of the narrative of the, of the work that mm -hmm. I want to be able to, 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 to show. Yes. So that, uh, and to, to put them all together in a seamless manner so that uh, the viewer can, <laughs> find and discover the meanings in it. Yeah. So there, there's, there's hope as well. There yeah. are these concerns that, uh, that you know, especially uh, as we are in this uh, period of isolation yeah. and this perception that uh, the world is darkening mm -hmm. around us. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this is a world as it has always been like that. And it is part of the journey that we are we are we are engaging with now. Yes. In which yes, there is darkness, but there is also uh, the promise of tomorrow, that there is a that we are part of a historical uh, uh, a trajectory through space and time. Mm -hmm. You know that we are opening up into spaces in which our humanity um, uh, becomes a, a more available than it is right now. Yes. Yes, no, absolutely. And again, it, it really, it really dovetails with this moment, you know, in which we're, we're experiencing a complexity of emotions um, and that they're all intention. You know, you have pain, you have, you know, a legacy of trauma, there is anger, there's frustration, um, you know, as we, as we face injustice, social injustice and so on around the world, but there is also, you know, this, this feeling of hope, again, yeah. the feeling of possibility, um, the optimism that we hold on to that, you know, things can change. <laughs> and things are changing. <laughs> are changing. Yes, yeah. Thank you so much for that, um, Ken. Um, it's such a delight to put, you know, put your works side by side uh, and to look at your approaches and to see the synergies, to see the similarities, um, but of course, to really celebrate the, the different perspectives, the different angles or, you know, the way that you approach the work. Uh, I would love for us to move into our Q&A segment. Let me just see if there are questions. There is a question here. How do you navigate 
the social stratification of the art world, where surely it is more difficult for Black artists and Black art to ultimately gain appreciation, but simply even be considered fine art as intellectual, as beautiful, etc. Perhaps each of you could take it in turn. So again, the question is, how do you navigate the social stratification of the art world where surely it is more difficult for Black artists and Black art to ultimately gain appreciation, um, but simply even be, uh, or simply be considered fine art or as intellectual or as beautiful. So perhaps you can share your own experiences of navigating the art world and, and, and its, its social stratification. I don't, know if, I don't know if he wants to go first, and I will, because I was speaking. Oh. I don't want to seem to be dominating the discussion. Okay. okay. Um, I think uh, I can, uh, how do we navigate the art world, regardless of the social stratification, and, and the fact that the world does not recognize Mm -hmm. um, African arts or African artists, so to speak. Uh, well, um, I think I got the question right, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how art is appreciated, or, or how black art, you know, may not be considered yeah. fine art or intellectual. Or, yeah. Okay. Um, where should I start from? Okay, let me start from that particular aspect where the person said African art is not regarded of as fine art. Well, first and foremost, the person referred to it as art and the world still refers to it as art. So definitely it is art. Okay. Now, history, history, history can actually justify this uh, in the sense that history believes, and it is recorded that um, Pablo Picasso was, was, was actually, was actually um, influenced by African art into painting Cubism and uh, into painting, into painting um, more of his abstract or his abstracted figures. Um, it, it is believed that he came, he came to Africa, visited, visited Africa in the, in the I think, um, back, way back, way back, way back. And then during the slavery period, the slavery era, and then he saw African, African art, the, the, the statue that they are not actually keen on representing something, something of top-notch resemblance, but at the same time, it, it passes a very strong message. Like, like it is like, like I read in school, arts and like it should be. Art really is not about beauty, the beauty to the eyes. It is more to the, it is more of something communicating to you. As long as you feel something when you see a piece of art, the art has achieved its purpose. I don't know if I if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So um and and so to speak, there is no there is no bad art, like 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 we all say, there is no bad art. So um let me let me now come back to now the idea of African arts. I I try to admonish that. I try to address that by saying that even one of the greatest painters, Pablo Picasso, was affected was influenced by African art which means there is strength and there is power in African art. What you do with that strength, it all depends on you. Now, let me speak for myself and let me speak, uh, deal with, with some people's experiences as, uh, as I've been able to be on a one-on-one -on -one talk with them, African artists. Okay, there is this particular artist in Nigeria. 
he studied in my school um, and um, he, he went out to, to, to further his education to, to be an apprentice um, under John Lopez in South Dakota in the year 2014-2015 is a sculptor. And back then it was it was not reconcrete. It was it was just a basic typical African artist, just like myself. Uh, it was married though, but it wasn't so so easy. People people didn't really want to to recognize, so to speak, with him because his art was not recognized. But he he did some basic things consistently that 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 made people recognize his art not African art. African art is African art. In fact, a lot of people want to want to recognize African art. A lot of people want to paint like African, but we get it wrong. We want to paint like them when they want to paint like us. So we, we want to create like them when they want to create. We should actually go back to our source, like I've been back to my source, like interpreting African art in my own way. Mm -hmm. And like Mr. Ken right there is interpreting African art in his own way. Mm -hmm. the, thing, the thing, I think we all need to get back there to a place of solitude, to a place of calmness, and to a place of, 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 of serenity where you can come back and then think about your, your work, think about yourself, think about what you want to represent. I think, I think people will, will reference more with you if you have a, a thing, or if you have something you were talking on, or something you're talking about, not just painting for painting's sake. Although there's there's this aspect of painting for painting's sake that you just want to enjoy. There are times I've started a painting without knowing where it's going. I just want to I just want to pour it out. There, yes. There's an aspect to that, but but there should be a track record for 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 your work. There should be something that will strike a chord with people when they when they mention your name. It's either they say, oh, this person is color. It's either they say, oh, this person is expression. It's either they say, this person is Afro. It's either they say, this person, you, you get what I'm saying. People should be able to recognize with your work. That's a place. Just, I'm trying to mention the, the, the principle. You should have, a, so to speak, a signature in art that people will easily, without seeing your practical signature, mm -hmm. seeing your work alone, people should be able to say, no, this is this guy. That is one. You need to you need to be able to stay and stand with something and push through regardless of whatever is being thrown at you. That is one. That is being dogged. You need to be rugged. You need to be dogged regardless. Over time, when you keep practicing that, practice makes perfect. When you keep practicing that, practicing that, and then over time, people will gratify towards it. It is just a law of nature. When you keep doing what you do and you get better at it, over time, over time, people will gratify towards it. And that has been. This artist that I was talking about, Dr. Popola, he has been an artist for the past God knows how long, but he kept at it. He, I'm, I'm going to refer to Yoruba proverb again. I'm sorry. Yoruba proverb says, Alagbede ton luere ni ojukon in konkolofe mujadunde. Let me interpret. It says a blacksmith that keeps hammering on a particular spot of, on a particular spot keeps repeating the same armor the same reading. He's trying to bring out something there. And if it continues like that, he's going to finally get to bring out something there. And you yourself will be amazed that this guy was doing rubbish just yesterday. But look at what he has done with it. So yeah. it, you, you, need to be, you need to be extremely focused. Focus blinds people. Focus will blind you to some other things. 
you don't need to compare yourself. You don't need to, you don't need to want to run at some other people's race. Keep at your pace, consistency, doggedness, and thin, or how can I put it, a signature in art would actually get your art into places. I've been, I've not been out of this country, I've been in Nigeria, but my works have been to places. It's, I, I, I was never painting to satisfy anybody, so to speak. I was painting to, to pass the message. I was painting to, to, set, to, set, to set a biting force free in me. Because yeah, it's, I'm just trying to do what I love to do or without, without, really giving, without really giving a consideration if you like it or, or you don't like it. Uh, okay, um, this, this man said something. I think yeah. it was, uh, um, is it Pablo Picasso or... Or Basquiat, he said, he said, while I make a painting, and then you people are still busy criticizing my painting, he said, go and make another one. Before they finish criticizing, you made another one. So it, 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 you don't have any problem with what he said. Keep creating. Keep creating. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Yes, I know, and and you've really sort put a sharp spotlight on you know the idea that. Influence in the art world is not a one-way street, you know, and that um, the Western world has been influenced by African art and art from, you know, the global south. Yes. And, um, and of course, you are highlighting the need for focus and discipline um, and staying yeah. true to what you want to do uh, within an art world that may demand other things of us. So thank you so much for that. Ken, do you want to weigh in? Yeah, into, I just want to deal with this whole question of social stratification. Yeah. Uh, which I think is uh, underlies and gives structure to what we call this art world. Mm -hmm. And um, the Western Art Academy, which has for a long time viewed art, especially art that comes out of the Caribbean, out of Trinidad, very reductively. Mm -hmm. You know, it is seen as exotica. Yes. Or as a hybrid of forms that have been appropriated from somewhere else, whether it came from Africa or from Europe, or even from the pre-Columbian world. To my mind, this has been a way of exerting control over the prevalent cultural and artistic practices that have characterized artistic practice in the Caribbean and in Trinidad as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and because of that, that um, way in which the, the, the structured our art world Um, what we create is underappreciated and not clearly understood even by ourselves as the reflection of our personal and social needs, which goes back to the original um, um, meanings that answers the question, why do we really make these things that we call paintings? Mm-hmm. go back to those essential concerns and essential values. Um, and it's because of this um, structure, this, exert, this control that the Western Art Academy has, been, has established. Our art is absent in the discourse of art scholarship, out of international collections, um, critical discourse that we have among ourselves 
is seen, is seen and understood just as murmurings, not even as the clear articulation of ideas. Yeah. Um, you know, our art, the art that Picasso and the Europeans dealt with, they were challenging their academy. The art that we make challenge our own colonial distress. Mm -hmm. They challenge our own preoccupations with cultural repression that has been for 400 years hammering on our humanity. Our art deals with our own conception of what is modern, which is very different to the ways in which uh, Picasso and the Europeans dealt with their conception of modernity. And these uh, uh, concerns, once we understand this as the fundamental reality, it would transform the whole, this whole stratification that exists in, uh, in this historical discourse. This, um, because I remember when I used to teach it, uh, art history at one time, and that was part of the first lecture I did. It would take the, we, used to, the, we were required to use the Janssen history of our text, and we'd look through the book and see that the Caribbean did not exist in it. Yeah. That contemporary Africa didn't exist in it. Tribal Africa dealt with, was dealt with, but only in the sense that some of these images were appropriated by European artists because it found some kind of fascination in which in, in, in them and took these um, images and incorporated it into their work. Very often to make very um, grotesque statements. You know, you think about well, the, the discourse with um, Picasso, for example, is uh, Damasel's the Avion, mm -hmm. the yeah. African mask that he was yeah. using there, but yeah. to make the, the, the prostitutes look very grotesque. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these, um, with, you know, it, 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 it appropriated it and, and, and um, redefined the reality, the underlying reality in which these things were made. Mm -hmm. and, this is the, these are the essential features of the historical discourse and the social stratification that we have to negotiate. Um, and it, you know, it comes back to this word negotiation, which I think is a useful uh, word that was uh, used at the beginning here in, in the framing the question. But, you know, do we really want to negotiate with it or should we really, is it time for us to put our knee on the neck of it? You know, um, so that it doesn't breathe on us anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so. Follow-up comment, um, I believe from the same viewer, who says then we should fatten our own standards without asking for external validation. Hurry, hurry, hurry. So we are on the same page indeed, absolutely. We're almost out of time, but there is uh, an, another remark, and this comes from Trevor Allen who says, hearing Ken speak about trying to convey meaning to viewers, I thought the artists paint for themselves and we, the viewers, interpret it within our own meanings. Um, okay, I could, if I join in first before, um, without um, 
it's it's a uh, there is a, as an artist for me I could speak personally for myself and um, for some of the people that I know there it's a line that we we um, we negotiate all the time we walk that line in which um, you don't make paintings unless you really want to mm. you know you have to there's a need that you have to Fulfill, yeah. All right. Sometimes that need is commercial. Sometimes it is com uh, spiritual. Sometimes it is professional. Mm -hmm. However, we define it. You have to walk that line. Um, once you take upon yourself that need, I know one of my friends calls it a cross. Once you take the cross upon your on your shoulder, you've got to make the journey to Golgotha. Right. You know. And Golgotha is the point where you put the thing up and you wait to be crucified uh, or be, to be taken down from the, the cross as, as the case might be. I'm, I'm using that as a sort of amusing metaphor, but yeah. I think we could understand the, the, the journey that we, we make with, 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 with the thing mm -hmm. and the uh, responsibility that we have to self or to the community that we are painting for. Because at, at one level, um, you know, the, the question is, what are you doing this thing for? Yeah, yeah. Why are you investing all of this time um, and material and space to make these things? Yeah. Um, and once you answer that question, you know, um, you know, I, I it, it, it determines the nature of the outcome. Well, I think this is a lovely place for us to stop. And in fact, um, I'd like to close off by answering that question by using some quotations from both of you. And so this addressing this idea of, you know, what are you doing this thing for? What are you making art for? What is this thing all about? Um, and I, I recall our dear very early in our conversation saying that you know, for him, you know, his art is the essence of revitalization and communication. Um, and I think that is key when we think about art in relation to blackness, this idea of revitalizing self and, and this need for communication. And of course, um, with you, Ken, offered something so poignant. You said art is something that inhabits the space between us, this beautiful idea of community and connection particularly at this time when many of us are isolated uh, from each other and we are required to, to exercise social distancing and so yeah. on. Okay. Um, so I want to thank you both. It has been my pleasure to spend this time with you. Um, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you too for, 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 for encapsulating these thoughts. So, so, um, thank you, it's, it's an honor. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you very much. And nice meeting you, Amodia. Thank you. Thank you. Nice meeting you too, Mr. Ken. Yes, we must, we must. And I will talk to Sean and we'll exchange. Yeah. Um,